and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I am James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker, one of your other hosts. I guess today, your only other host. (laughs) On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene until the end of time. How you doing, James? I'm doing really great. I'm doing so great. Here's how, here's why, one of the reasons why I've been looking forward to this episode for so long, Colin. Oh yeah. And you're going to find out why, because it's going to be, we're going to quickly be to the point where I'm talking about the thing I've been wanting to talk about because this scene is five seconds long. Um, five seconds. <laughs> That's how long the one scene that was 19 seconds should have been. <laughs> exactly. Yes. They switched this. Yeah, they switched um, the, the, there, there was so much more they could have done with this scene. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I dropped it. Oh crap. Where oh, I kicked right. it. Oh, dang. <laughs> oh, I right. bonked my head. Uh, so I have to buy a new one. All right, before so. you tell the people the timestamp yes. for tradition, what yes. day are we recording this on? Today is November 14th, 2021 for the next half hour for me, the next hour and a half for you. Mm-hmm. We are talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 1. You know it, you love it, you've you've lived it. Um, <laughs> this is, we're going to start at 35.05 and we're going to end five short seconds later at 35.10. And here's what happens in all of those five seconds. The lead chronocop, which I wrote lead chronocop when I was first writing the, the synopsis and then I later learned his name is Luke which I put in parentheses, puts a silencer on his gun as he hides behind some sacks. So that's what happens. Now, to be clear, S-A-C-K-S, not S-A-X. Right. There is, there is a, no, it's S-A-X. There's saxophone playing and he's like, ooh, I'm in the band. Do, 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 do. And uh, they're like, hey, get out of here. I'm a saxophone player. Um, no, S-A-C-K-S. Um <laughs> I will say on this on this show, Big City Greens, that my kids watch. Uh, there's good a character show. named. It is a good show. The the character that my son can do an excellent voice of is uh, this character Tilly, and her uh, stuffed animal friend is a sack of flour named Saxon, and it really really cracks me up. That's okay. good. So um, yeah, he is hiding behind some sacks, and so now um, the only obvious thing to talk about today on this episode of Agents of Shield season seven. Now, on this episode of Timeline Scavengers is silencers. And I am super duper stoked because it turns out they're awesome. Silencers rule. So they're pretty cool. A silencer is also known as a sound suppressor, a suppressor, or a sound moderator. It's a muzzle device that reduces the acoustic intensity of the muzzle report, that's the gunshot, and the recoil when a gun is discharged by modulating the speed and pressure of the propellant gas from the muzzle and hence suppressing the muzzle gas, muzzle blast. So it's a thing you screw onto the end of your gun that has a hole down the middle and then sound bu- uh, sound baffles on around that. And so the bullet goes out pushed by the gases, but the gases and the sound all get taken up by the sound baffles. So it silences it and it takes the flash away and it takes the recoil away. Um, so... It says, uh, during firing, the bullet flies through the bore with little hindrance, but most of the expanding gas ejects, ejected, the gas ejecta, wow, I don't know if ejectus is, I don't know, anyways, uh, behind it is retained through a longer and convoluted escape path created by the baffles, prolonging the release time. This slows down the gas and dissipates its kinetic energy into a larger surface area, reducing the blast intensity, thus lowering the loudness. So, 
Um, it also reduces the uh, recoil for a similar reason. And then it also is like, also the silencer is a little heavier. So the recoil is less because the end of your gun is heavier. So it, it lifts up hard, uh, even, uh, less easily. Um, and that says, because the internal baffles will slow and cool the released gas, the silencers also eliminate the muzzle flash. Uh, this is different from a flash suppressor, suppressor, which reduces the amount of flash by dispersing burning gases that are already released outside the muzzle. Uh, the muzzle shroud, on the other hand, conceals visible flashes by screening them from... Oh, so that it's, this is different from the muzzle shroud because it it takes care of them inside the silencer. The muzzle shroud just sort of like... It's like a little hood that you put over your gun. So it's like, oop, nope, you can't see it. So that's the silencer, and that's what it does. It was invented by this guy, Hiram Percy Maxim, son of Maxim gun, in, gun inventor Hiram Stevens Maxim. Uh, he also uh, co-founded the American Radio Relay League and is usually credited with inventing and selling the first commercially successful silencer around 1902. He got his patent around on, on he got his patent on March 30th, 1909, and he gave his device the popular, popularly trademarked name the Maxim Silencer, which, yeah, Maxim in this day and age is a funny thing because back, it means back in the day it'd be like Maxim. Ooh yeah. Like guns. And nowadays it's like, Ooh yeah, not guns. Um, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah, I got you. I've walked down. I was going to say, I've walked down, you know, like a magazine aisle before in like a seven 11 magnum, um, magnum. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's nothing. Okay. Uh, (laughs) it it was regularly advertised in sporting good magazines, sporting goods magazines. Now, here is where my mind was absolutely blown. The muffler for internal combustion engines was developed in parallel with the firearm silencer by Maxim in the early 20th century, using many of the same techniques to provide quieter running engines. And in many English-speaking countries outside automobile... And in many English-speaking countries, automobile mufflers are called silencers. So a muffler and a silencer on a gun is the same thing, basically. It's an engine silencer as opposed to like a bullet silencer, um, mm-hmm. which is wild. And I never considered it, even though it makes sense thinking about it. Uh, it says former president of the United States, Teddy Roosevelt, was known to purchase and use Maxim silencers to the surprise of checks notes. Absolutely no one. And um, it says silencers were regularly used by agents of the United States Office of Strategic Services. That's the OSS, which is basically the. Isn't. The SAS? What's the predecessor to, predecessor to S.H.I.E.L.D.? SSR. At the SSR. The OSS is basically the SSR. Right. It's the same. It's the, that's the parallel. If, the, if S.H.I.E.L.D. is the CIA, the OSS is SSR. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they favored the newly designed high standard HDM 22 caliber LR pistol during World War II. Um, and here's the final story about the silencer. OSS director William Joseph Wild Bill Donovan, he for sure gave himself that name, demonstrated the pistol for President Franklin D. Roosevelt at the White House. According to OSS Research Chief Stanley Lovell, Donovan, an old and trusted friend of the president, was waved into the Oval Office where, where Roosevelt was dictating a letter. When Roosevelt finished, Donovan turned his back and fired 10 shots into a sandbag he had brought with him announced what he had done and handed the smoking gun to the astonished president. So he walked into the Oval Office, fired a gun 10 times, 
and it's like, hey, 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 Frank, hey, guess what? Hey, guess what? Guess what I just did? Turn around. Look at this. And holds up the sandbag and sand just getting everywhere. So um, that is what you do when you're a trusted friend of the president. Now, here's my thing. Yeah. You know how you claimed that this man definitely nicknamed himself? Yeah. He definitely made up that story. <laughs> do you want to know why I know that? What? Why? A silencer does not actually make a gun silent. Sure. It reduces the decibel level by approximately 20 decibels. Do you sure. know how loud a handgun is? It's about 160 decibels. That is right. incredibly loud. That's one of the reasons why you wear earplugs, right? When you're at like a range and stuff. If you're cutting out 20, that's still 140. It's still loud. There's no way you could in an Oval Office shoot that gun essentially next to the president. That sounds I don't bad. think. But like to shoot it 10 times and go, oh, check it out. You didn't totally didn't hear me do this. I don't think that it that the, the point was that it uh, that he's that like I, I, I shot this 10 times and you didn't hear it. I think it was more that I shot this 10 times and no one came running oh. to see who was shooting a gun in the Oval Office. Now I understand better. I thought the idea yeah. was that he was like, hey, what's out that window? Pop, 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 pop. Yeah. Oh, while you were turned around, I did this thing. Yeah, I think it took me. I, I've had these notes for uh, since September, so again, it is November fourteenth, and it's taken me. It took me a long time before I was like, I see what that's saying. Mostly because it says, uh, he announced what he had done, and I'm like, come on, that sentence could be a lot clearer and make this a lot easier yeah. to. Uh, the that, implications like of what why, he had done. I feel yeah. like that's why yeah. I was confused. Oh, I was like. For sure. That's where Announcing I was Announcing it like, hear ye, hear ye. Yeah, exactly. Check hey, guess it out. What? Yeah, the complete silencer. FDR was like, we can't have a complete silencer. It can't reduce it to no sound. And he's like, fine. And then Maxim was like, fine, I'll break my product a little bit. And just had a lot of attitude. And that's why they killed him. All right, so. Well, that wait, is... hang on now. <laughs> is there more no to this story? Him. Was nope. he killed? No, there's literally nothing. His entire file is redacted after that. And no one knows where he went That's after wild. that. Oh my god! Oh he's my god. making magazines now. Um, <laughs> he's like, I'm out of this silencer business. I'm into bazongas. <laughs> he was like, Let me tell you something. With all the money I've made off this sucker, I can finally get into my real, you know, desire: print media. <laughs> and he's like, Cool, Dad. What are you gonna do? Make books? Uh, you know, maybe make the next Washington Post? He's like, No, son. Nudies. <laughs> Let me Get tell ready. you a little some about someone named Rose McGowan, son. And uh, I just... son, you ever see? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna cut that line, but still, oh man. <laughs> just to be clear, Maxim isn't a nudie magazine. It is no, a, it's just not. It's specifically a non. It's not one. actually you... nudie, no. But it's like, how close can you get? Without. Are you not allowed to buy nudie magazines because you're 14 years old? Well, have we got the magazine Pretty for much. you? <laughs> Maxim, for if you don't meet the minimum age requirements to buy porn. <laughs> the um, minimum versus the maximum. That's very <laughs> that's very good. Most of that's going to have to get cut, but that's Yes, yeah, that's fine because we are good stuff. Uh and we're, our sponsor this week is Oh no. Oh boy. Ugh, Maxim Magazine. Oh, God. Listen, every week I find... 
<laughs> Every week when I walk in the 7-Eleven, I say, you know what would go great with this Slurpee? <laughs> Just someone rubbing soap all over them at a car wash. <laughs> that they clearly aren't doing anything for the car. The person behind the, the counter looks up having been doing just that and is like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, I mean the magazine. You can get back to whatever you're doing later. It's, it's, it's fine. It's I an just... infomercial. And they're like, who are you talking to? They're looking around. <laughs> We're just standing there like holding up this magazine. You ever seen some boobies, son? <laughs> and the guy's like, why do you do this every week? Do you find that dress shirts might look interesting on women that have them mostly unbuttoned? Maxim magazine. All have right. you ever wondered what the male gaze is? Look no further. <laughs> Wait, wanted to call it Male Gaze Magazine. Male, the Male Gazette is what we are going to call it. But the thing is, is that you have to be very specific because some people get really disappointed by it. True. Yeah, it's oh, homonyms. Am I right? Well, that is silencers. That's silencers. That is silencers. Silent but deadly. Not so silent, <laughs> but just as deadly. Um. So, um, all I have left is uh, a very brief music of 1931, and then. We could probably get out of here uh, under 20 minutes on this five-second scene if we wanted to. Absolutely. Let's do it. The music of 1931 this week is by our boy Bing Crosby. What? Uh, This is the second Bing song. The first one, as you'll remember, was on the first episode of 1931. It was called something like, And Then the Zephyr Flew In From the the Late 2010s. Um, or something incredibly appropriate like that. And then um, the zephyr <laughs> came up falling through the sky. Hey, Baby, yeah. you're like my Fitz and I'm your Gemma. What is he saying? What? what? Oh my God. Is this, what, what How variant does he is he? <laughs> all right. So what right, does he so know? This, <laughs> my God. Who does he know? <laughs> and how? All right. So um, this song is called At Your Command. Uh, it was recorded by Bing Crosby on June 24th, 1931. Uh, piano accompaniment by piano accompaniment by Harry Barris. Um, he wrote the lyrics with uh, Bing Crosby wrote the lyrics with a different Harry, Harry Tobias, um, and the aforementioned Harry Barris. It was Bing and the uh, Bing and the two Harrys. Uh, they preferred not to be called um, the two so, Harry Bing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it was released as a Brunswick Records seventy eight in seventy eight RPM single. I was like 78 inch single that's a giant record no 78 rpm single and the recording reached number one on the pop singles charts for three weeks uh it was on the charts for nine weeks because it was the 1930s and um they hadn't invented boys to men yet um <laughs> yeah uh and then finally uh bing crosby sang at your command in 1931's uh, the Mac, the 1931 Max Senate two movie short I Surrender, Dear. He also sings the song from episode one, Out of Nowhere, uh, which uh, was also in that movie. So he sings both the songs by Bing Crosby that we've talked about for the music of 1931 in the movie I Surrender, Dear. And that is D-E-A-R. It's not about, it's not like a Bambi prequel. Um, hmm. So that is the music of 1931, and I am out of notes. So Colin... Why don't you take us to some social meads? Absolutely. Pour us a nice tall glass of social mead. You know what I mean? Ooh. Ooh. I get that. Well, if you want to find the show, you can find our show on Twitter and other such places at Timeline Scav. If you would like to find the Scavengers Network, the podcast network that we're a proud member of, you can find them at Scavengers Net. Uh, If you want to find me 
on Twitter, you can find me at Colin M. Parker. Um, what you can do is you can go check out my new pinned tweet, which is my Ooh. first tweet to ever get more than a thousand likes in my entire lifetime. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's pretty exciting. So you'll hear about that actually probably about a month after I actually had that happen. So, you know, at this point, it'll be far in the past, but it's a cool moment. Anyway, yeah. uh, if you'd also like to hear more about the music that was on this show, I skip James. Hmm. That's on me. Uh, speaking of the music of 1931, that's not skip James. James, yeah. where can people find oh. you? Nice callback. That's Thank good. You. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at unabashed James or on a porch in Appalachia or in Bing Crosby's house, but he doesn't know I'm there. And he's like, who's there? And I'm like, it's a ghost from the future. James Anderson. I'm here to like, tell you about agents of shield. So you can sing about it and confuse everybody. Uh, yeah. Now, if you want to find a not so ghostly man, you can find mm. Nick Bramald making music at N Bramald, which is B-R-A-M-A-L-D, or go to his website, nickbramaldcomposer.co.uk. Uh, and I would like to give you a recommendation for a podcast. Let's get this in one last time, because this is pretty much your last opportunity to check out a little podcast, a little indie show called Wet Hot American Moon Juice. Um, we've mentioned it a few times. We will probably talk about it way more during this time period than any other time of the year mm-hmm. because it is a NaNoWriMo podcast. What does that mean? It means that uh, a bunch of people from the Scavengers Network both podcast and also write 50,000 words in the course of one month and talk to each other about their processes, how they're slowly losing their minds, and much more. Uh, mm-hmm. And their exit interviews are starting this week. And when I say this week, I mean this week when you're hearing it, not when I'm recording us. Um, but at the time of recording, James, how many words do you have, by the way? 23,822. Impressive. And if you want to hear more about that project, again, go check out Wet Hot American Moon Juice. You can find their show on scavengersnetwork.com and give them a listen today. And that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Timeline Scavengers. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. Excelsior. 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 Hey, hey, Excelsior. Zephyr in the sky, Excelsior. I'm counting. <laughs> it's a Merry Christmas with Excelsior. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.